Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. Let's welcome Pastor Matt Leedy. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, those of you who were here eight years ago when or maybe almost a decade ago now, when Stacy and I did our final service here, you understand why I took the stairs so carefully, because uh, that day I was so excited to be stepping into God's will for our lives and missions, I kind of leapt up the stairs in the old sanctuary and tripped and fell all the way into the communion table, which was in the back with my shoulder. I dented my iPad, I put a pretty good dent in my shoulder as well, and everybody was laughing because I was kind of known to, you know, be a jokester, and everybody thought I was joking until I laid there for a few minutes, and Doug came up and said, what are you doing, man? I'm like, I hurt myself, and uh, many of you have already reminded me of this incident, so thank you for that, and, uh, uh, but it is really a joy to be back here. Uh, Stacy and I, you know, consider this church our home away from home. I mean, Germany has become our new home. We've been missionaries now for a decade, which is really hard to believe, and we've been on the field for eight years. Today, I'm going to kind of do a combination of sharing from God's Word, but also just filling you in on what's happened over the last eight years. Some of you may not know us very well, and, and you weren't here the last time we were here, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll surmise a little bit about our beginning. I'll move into where God had led us over this last term and where we are now, but if you would join me with opening your Bibles to John chapter 15, we'll be in verse 12 through 17 a little bit today. It's really, again, a joy for us to be here, and um, we serve the men and women of the U United States military in Stuttgart, Germany. Now, that, that is more than just our men and women in uniform. It includes teachers and contractors. Uh, it includes a, a really big community. About 25,000 Americans are stationed there in Stuttgart. Now, we have about 24,900 in our church, and so we're doing a good job. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but we are doing everything we can to reach our community. We are one of about four English churches, but we are the only Assemblies of God church and the only Pentecostal witness of the gospel uh, in our community. And uh, it's, it's hard to believe how much God has done, how much fruit he has borne through our ministry. And we're grateful that God has used us in such a powerful way over this last term. In John 15, Jesus tells his disciples to go and bear fruit. And I'd like to take the time allotted to me this morning to share some of the fruit that God has borne through our ministry in Germany. However, I also believe that this passage, passage reminds all of us that we are to be bearing fruit that we are to be fruitful. I mean, it's, I'll tell you when you, as Janet referenced earlier, when you look at the news, you kind of just want to dig in. You just kind of want, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Has anybody else prayed that over these last few weeks? I have been praying that, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But we can't bury our head in the sand. We can't just hole up in our house and just wait for Jesus to come. He has called us to bear fruit. And in these trying times, we are to be pointing people, not to a political party, but to the cross, amen? We're to be bearing fruit, fruit that will last. I want to tell you that every political party that's ever existed will, never, will, will one day cease to exist. But the kingdom of God and our king will reign forever. Amen. And so let's point people uh, to the cross and let's bear fruit that will last. In John 15, 12, it says this. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. 
greater love has none than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. The key phrase that I want to focus on today is go and bear fruit that your fruit should abide. Now, there's a lot of spiritual fruit, right? We can look elsewhere in the Bible and see what the fruit of the Spirit is. But here, it's prefaced by a go, a go. This means an action. This means an outward action of the church to go and bear fruit. It's all all biblical scholars pretty much agree that this is the fruit of evangelism that Jesus is talking about here, that we are to go out and bear fruit. And that comes from winning souls and making disciples. Amen? Today I want to talk about the fruit that uh, SMCC has seen, and SMCC stands for Stuttgart Missional Community Church. That's the church Stacy and I founded in 2012, and, um, and has ministered to hundreds and hundreds of military families um, since its inception. We started in 2012, I believe in November of 2012, with five families and one single guy. Uh, and, you know, for a long time we talked about the five families that planted the church, and then this one single guy who came, and he's not single anymore, he married a woman in our church, and they're a vital part of our church. Um, but it was so cool how God put this together. See, Assemblies of God World Missions, the first term, the expectations is that you learn the language and you learn the culture, that you assimilate for the first three years. And that was our plan. We started language school. Uh, we, of course, were praying, God, let's show us where we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do. And uh, we started a little Bible study and people started coming to the Bible study. And then these people had the idea to plan a church. I mean, we haven't even been on the field six months, but they want, hey, why, we're already meeting together. Let's just plant a church. And I said, okay, listen. I hear what you're saying, but, you know, this is going to be a lot of work. It means you're going to have to start paying tithes to the church, you know, because we're going to need financial support to launch it. They're like, fine, fine, fine. And I'll tell you, the five families and Scott, um, the single guy, uh, they all had very specific skills that were just perfect for planning a church. I had a guy who was in, in charge of video telecommunications between the continent of Europe and the continent of Africa. I mean, that's the perfect sound guy. I had a, a guy who had been a head usher in a huge church. I had people who had helped plant other churches. I had a worship pastor. We had just all these giftings. Uh, it just... God wanted us to plant this church, and he had verified and answered the prayer that Stacy and I had prayed for the 16 months it took us to raise our support. God, go before us and, and, and raise up people, you know, before us, before we even get there, so that we can have a fruitful ministry in Stuttgart, Germany. I want to tell you, God answered that prayer, because when we hit the ground, we hit the ground running. Now, we met in a German church, a German-speaking church, a Pentecostal church, uh, for the first three years of our existence, and we met at 5 o'clock or 1700 uh, every single Sunday. Now, that's, well, that's okay, but uh, people like to go to church in the morning, and so um, we, we did really well. We grew up to about 100 people, which is about all that church could hold, and um, then we knew it was time to move, and I was I have to tell you, there are many points in, in our ministry where I've called Pastor Doug and asked him, you know, what should I do here? What do you think about this? Because 
You know, we enjoyed a very nice rental agreement with the church we were meeting in. It was about 500 a month. And everything we had looked at was over 5000 a month in rent. And so the church um, had experienced a, a massive PCS or permanent change of station for military personnel. That's when they leave and go somewhere else. And so we were down a little bit, and it was a risky move. But we, we felt and that God was leading us somewhere else. And, and, and Pastor Doug kind of encouraged us in that. And we stepped out in faith, and, and we found our own location. I have a picture of it here. For you to see, that's our foyer with the tables, and that's our sanctuary. Went before pre-COVID. Uh, that's our sanctuary. It seats about 115 people, and uh, in in one service, it seats that many. And we began meeting on Sunday mornings, a normal time, 10:30. Uh, we had services, and uh, I want to tell you, as soon as we moved in, God started filling this place. So He had filled the previous place. He started filling this place, and and. Uh, Sometimes as a pastor of a church, uh, especially when the church is doing, doing well, uh, when it's doing bad, you're blaming yourself. Uh, when it's doing well, you're not patting yourself on, your back, on the back. You're trying to figure out why it's doing well. It's not really, you know it's not really you, you know what I mean? And so you're just along for the ride. And I, I couldn't figure out, what, you know, the church is growing, and it seemed like we were kind of a fishbowl church, meaning as big as the bowl was, it would fill up to capacity, and it would just keep filling and filling. And so we weren't actually in this building very long before we were at capacity, and people were coming in, and we were having to add chairs, which kind of put us out, outside the fire code. We had some extra chairs, but we really shouldn't have set them up, but we did. Uh, I know this is live stream, but I doubt anybody in the the, the rat house or the, the mayor's house is watching. It's so funny that the city hall is called the rat house. I just love that. Okay. Get it? Rat house? Okay, forget it. Um, I'm not a funny pastor. Uh, so in December 2019, we added a second service. And uh, our district superintendent, Tim Barker, was there to preach this service for us. And Stacy snapped this picture of, of Tim preaching. And, um, you know, it was kind of a unique thing because just like Pastor was talking about the technical difficulties of live streaming, you know, there's a lot of technical difficulties in going to two services. And I was in the position of telling the superintendent, look, you're going to have about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, because we had so many things going on that morning and all of the transition. And, and uh, I didn't like telling the superintendent that, but he was very understanding and did a great job uh, and preached our first service of multiple services. And before COVID started, we really started just peaking and getting into the stride of two services, and we were around 160 uh, before um, the COVID crisis. And now we are still running two services, but much like you with the seats all spread out, and we're still averaging well over 100 even for that. And so in-person people uh, in our church. You know, the COVID crisis hit Germany before it hit America, so we've been having church services for a little bit longer. I actually flew out the first week uh, to come to the United States, the first week that we started meeting in person, and Stacy stayed behind and held down the fort for two or three weeks, three weeks, while I preached and shared a little bit in Charleston, South Carolina. I preached at my first Baptist 
church. It wasn't First Baptist Church, but it was the first Baptist church that would allow me to come preach. And so I shared there, and uh, I think it went well. Couldn't tell from the faces because there were no faces. I preached uh, to the cameras, and you know, uh, which is really weird feeling, you know. Uh, but uh, I think it went well, and it just so happens that over this last term, my brother gave his heart to the Lord after praying for him for almost 20 years. He came to, to Jesus this year. And uh, my sister-in-law as well, and my nephew's all in church, and this was their church. So uh, I, I was very privileged to do that and share there. Uh, so the physical growth of the church is certainly important, and people sometimes criticize pastors for focusing on numbers. Let me tell you, when we go to meetings, that's what we talk about you know, a lot of times. Oh, well, what are you all running now? You know, how are you doing? And, and uh, you know, but numbers are souls. Those are people that are in your church. Those are people who are hearing the gospel. And so numbers do matter, uh, but they're not the most important thing. So we have physical fruit, the growth of, of, uh, in, in our church, but there's also spiritual fruit, spiritual growth uh, that we should be focused on. Amen. And one of the ways we focus on spiritual growth at SMCC, and I know you do here, is growth groups, okay? I, I think you guys call them life groups. And uh, here's a picture of one of our most recent life gr uh, growth groups, uh, some of these people have already PCS'd or moved away, um, and uh, but we we are just so privileged to be part of great great small groups in our church. About seventy percent of all the active adults in our church are engaged in a small group. That's that's our goal. And since the inception of the church, we decided that we weren't going to evaluate ourselves based on the numbers on Sunday morning, but how many adults were in life groups or growth groups, and that's, that, it's been a huge part of our ministry, and we're dedicated to discipleship and caring for people, and the growth groups are the primary vehicle by which we do these things. Pastoral care, I'm all for it. I love to visit people in the hospital. One of my favorite things is seeing babies, and uh, in our church, we have a lot of babies. I mean a lot. One month, there was nine babies born in our little church. Nine babies. Stacy, I don't know how many baby showers you did. Bless your heart. You did so many baby showers. And then a year later, we were at everybody's first birthday party. And now there's this thing where on the first birthday, it's almost like a uh, I, didn't, I, didn't, I never knew about this until the nine babies, and we kept going to these parties, and they would basically just give the kid a little bitty cake for the just for the baby, and the baby would just demolish the cake and shove it all in their face, and it was everywhere, and everybody's just laughing, and I was kind of disgusted, you know. But we went to nine of these, and uh, just a very fruitful church that way too, okay? And um, we actually have a couple babies due uh, this month, and I'm I'm very grateful that Stacy and I leave back for Germany soon, and we'll be we'll be. Um, you know, be there for the birth of the new babies. Now, this baby that you see a picture of here is also part, of, it's just a miracle. You're looking, you are literally looking at a miracle. Her name is Leonora Rodriguez, and uh, her parents are from Mexico City. How they ended up at SMCC? Well, we speak English. They speak English. You know, German's a very hard language to learn. 
And uh, they visited our church, and they weren't there very long. And then they told us they were actually, she found out she was pregnant in the same month that all the other babies were being born, you know. And so she came up to me after service. Her name's Celia. She speaks six languages. Uh, and she came up and said, uh, Pastor Matt, we just wanted to tell you, you know, we're having our, a baby. And so excited. And Damien, so excited. And, and uh, it wasn't only, a f- they were probably at that point about 10 or so weeks, and then it was just a couple months later, I get this call from Celia, and she is absolutely stricken, just bawling. I can barely, she's hysterical. I can barely understand a word she's saying. And she eventually, I understand that she says at 20 weeks, her water broke. Uh, means the baby's coming. The amniotic fluid is, is being released from her body. There's, that's the protection for the baby, and, and that had broke, and that uh, she was in the hospital, and the doctors were recommending termination of the pregnancy, and here she is calling me, who's never had a child, calling me and asking me, what should I do? I said, is the baby alive? She said, yes. And, uh, well, I said, I think you should wait. I think you should wait and see what happens. And she agreed. And I said, you know, Celia, I know this is kind of a hard time for you. And, uh, but would you allow me to share this? With, this was on a Saturday, I think, Saturday night. Would you allow me to share this with the entire church that we might pray for you? And you know, ladies, any of you who have ever experienced a traumatic uh, pregnancy or even had the uh, misfortune of losing a baby, you know that there's like a, for some reason, there's like this shame. You don't want to talk about it. And I know I knew I was putting in her position to maybe face some embarrassment if the baby didn't survive. But she knew that prayer was the most important thing she could do right at that moment. She said, Pastor Matt, please do. And so I got up that morning. I was crying. I was sharing with the church this need. And I said, we just got to pray. We got to pray that this baby makes it. And we prayed, and we backed up what we prayed with a, we sent around a clipboard of people who would be willing to visit and make meals for her husband and take care of this couple. I want to tell you, I made three pages of signups. It wasn't enough. As that thing made its way through, it was completely full. People willing to bring meals and visit her in the hospital. Stacy and I went three times a week for the next 13 weeks. Uh, to visit her in the hospital, sometimes taking her meals, running across other people from our church who had been praying. And I want to tell you that Leonora is this baby. She was born at 33 weeks, health early, but healthy and strong. Praise the Lord. I don't remember the odds of survival at a baby who's, you know, when the water breaks at 20 weeks, I know it's very, very low, and the doctors weren't giving her much hope, but we are just so proud to have Leonora in our church and just to have a real living, breathing miracle and reminder of God's power in our church. More recently, we have this other family here, Jack, uh, the little boy that that, uh, Ellen there is holding is named Jack. And Alex and Ellen are military contractors uh, who also attend our church. Alex and Ellen come from different backgrounds, one Catholic, one Lutheran. But they have grown in their faith from an abstract, impersonal relationship with Christ to a very personal and intimate relationship with Christ. And, and a part of it is God just showing his signs and wonders. How many of you know signs and wonders don't exist so that we can enjoy them but for God's glory, amen? Us and being able to enjoy them is, is a kind of a side benefit, but, but miracles and signs and wonders point to the almighty, wonder-working power of God, amen? And, and uh, 
They had their first daughter through in vitro. Their second daughter surprised them. They had that baby almost immediately after <laughs> the first one was born. And then Jack also came through natural means. And they just thought, man, this was never going to happen. And now, I, you know, they're kind of pumping the brakes a little bit on the baby flow, okay? Uh, but Jack came, and Jack was born deaf in one of his ears. I can't remember which one, okay? But it's, it's kind of irrelevant to the story. He was born deaf in one ear. Alex called me. He's like so grateful for Jack, so grateful he was born healthy other than this. But he said, you know, I, I wish it was me. I wish it was me who lost my hearing, not my son. And I just, you know, I just, when you're a pastor and you love your people, you just kind of weep when they weep and you rejoice when they rejoice. And of course, I was broken as well. And I said, of course, we'll pray. Of course, we'll pray. And Alex is an emotional guy. He's an ex-Marine and naval officer, but he's still an emotional guy. And he said to me, he said, thank you, Matt, thank you. And we prayed, and we believe God, and the church prayed. We called him up, and we prayed over him. We prayed over that boy. A few weeks later, he calls me from work. He had to step out, of course. He works for uh, Special Operations Command Europe. Not a lot of crying allowed in there. And he called me, and he he was standing outside his building, and he was just so thankful. Tears of joy he's crying today because his son had 98% hearing in the ear that was deaf, and God had healed him as well. So praise God for that. I want to tell you that God has just encouraged our church through these things because our church has witnessed it, you know. People have church growth strategies, you know. Well, if you advertise right, if you do this just right, if you have a web presence and, you, you know, you hit the social media thing just right, you're going you're gonna to grow a church. I want to tell you there's more books on growing churches than there, are more books, than there are books on growing people. I mean, there's just so many ways to grow churches. But I want to tell you, when you start seeing kids healed, you start seeing people saved, you're... Uh, there's not enough room in the church to contain the flow of people who are seeking an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. It's the signs and wonders of a wonder-working God in a spirit-filled church that's going to reach their community for Jesus. And uh, we've seen great spiritual growth through these signs and these wonders, and and uh, we're so grateful for that. Another thing God put on Stacy and I's heart two years ago was to partner with the Gospel Project to preach through the entire Bible. So, uh, you know, that's pretty intimidating, especially for a Pentecostal pastor, because, you know, we like to preach passionately. And if you've ever preached through the whole Bible, I want to tell you, there are things that you're just not that excited about. Now, all the Bible is good and useful. We know this. It's all good for teaching. It's all good for building up and encouragement of the church. But there are some parts of the Bible that are hard to preach. Uh, but we felt like this was really important. Number one, because we wanted to combat one of the major problems we see in the contemporary church, and that is biblical illiteracy. You might know how to read, but you don't know what's in God's word. And let me tell you something. If you don't know truth, you can't tell what's a lie. You can't tell the difference between a truth and a lie, and that's why our Christian bookstores are being filled with books that have nothing to do with God, you know, and uh, we, we can't discern. We have no discernment because we don't know the word, and so we wanted to combat biblical illiteracy and encourage families to take the message home. So the Gospel Project is a, a, 
a systematic method of teaching uh, throughout the entire church. So if we're teaching on uh, Solomon in, in a big church, right, if that's what I'm preaching on, then that's what every level of ministry is teaching on that week. So our youth department's doing that, our children's ministry's doing that, and our preschool ministry is teaching on the same text. This way, families are encouraged, and even if they just learned something that morning, they can take it home and talk about it at the lunch table, and they can talk about intelligently uh, what's going on, because we were finding out that kids would go home and tell stories of, of the uh, Meshach Shadrach and Abednego, hey, it's not in my notes, okay? I'm just like, right, in the fiery furnace, and they'd go home to their parents, and their parents would have no idea what they were talking about. Or the Valley of the Dry Bones. You know, we had a kid go home, talk about the Valley of Dry Bones. Dad comes to me, he said, I don't even know that story, you know? And so we're combating biblical literacy and growing people by preaching through the entire Bible. I want to tell you that those last few minor prophets were the toughest, they were the toughest. But now we are finally into the New Testament, and uh, Jordan, who's preaching for me, I'll talk more about him later. He's been doing a great job in being able to preach all this New Testament stuff, and I'm, I'm here in the United States. You know, I preach all through the Old Testament. But everybody's learning all week, every week, and uh, God's doing some great things, and people are growing. And I want to tell you that when you read through the Old Testament, man, you really gain a really fresh appreciation for all that Christ did on the cross. You really do. And so I encourage you, read through that Old Testament, you know, read through it. You know, you can read really fast through numbers and some of these other things. But when you get, when you get to the Levitical law and you think about all the laws you have to keep, all the things you have to do, and you think, man, Jesus, Jesus set us free from that. He fulfilled the laws that we might not be subject to the law, that we might live as freed men and women. It's such a privilege. So the last fruit I want to talk about is the fruit of multiplying growth. You know, if you've ever come across an Avon agent or uh, Tupperware or any of these other things, you know, they kind of work this pyramid thing where they get one and then they get these represented under them. That's, they get that from the Bible. They get that from the Bible. I'm, I'm just, I'm being a little... Okay, I'm joking a little bit here, okay? They don't literally get it from the Bible, but did you know that each one of us is called to make disciples, and as we make disciples, then they make disciples, and as they make disciples, more disciples are made. It kind of works in the same kind of thing, and we get all caught up in, well, if I have a Bible study and I only have two or three people, I don't feel like I'm a success. I want to tell you, two or three people is a success if you're doing a great job discipling them, because if those three go out and get three more, you are, you are multiplying like crazy. You are just growing like crazy. And this is how Christianity spread in the early world. There was no Facebook. There was no live streaming. It was people living the gospel, sharing the gospel with other people, and it just spread like wildfire throughout the entire Roman Empire until it became the predominant religion in the world. I mean, it's, it's insane. And, you know, te technology is great, but it doesn't replace this. It doesn't replace just people sharing their testimony, people telling other people about Jesus. We are called to bear multiplying fruit. We have families that have come through our church that are serving all over the world. I don't have the privilege. I mean, I see so many faces here that were here uh, a decade ago when Stacy and I left for the mission field. 
We don't have that privilege in our church. Our church people come for three to four years, depending on if they're officers or enlisted, and then they leave. I mean, I think there's been a couple of families who left because they didn't like Stacy. No. <laughs> hey, all of you know that's a lie, right? It's me. They left because they didn't like something I said. Now, and then nobody's laughing now, right? They're like, yeah, that's probably right. But, you know, a couple of people maybe. But most people leave because their time is done, and they hate to leave, and we hate to see them go. And uh, I think, you know, sometimes I get caught and just, you know, wishing for things that won't happen, you know, which is one of these things that I can just keep all these great people. We'd be a church of hundreds of people. We have a couple people, great people in our church that we're so glad left. We're not glad they left our church, but we're glad they came here, and now they're fruitful members of your church. But we have people who are serving all over the world in churches, people who came to us as church members, and they left as leaders. Because the constant turnover in our congregation means that there are always holes. I mean, people have served on our advisory council, our church board, who have never served on a church board ever before. And now they, when they leave, they become leaders in the churches they go, go to. Um, they're leading small group ministries, children's ministries. They're leading worship. Some are even serving as missionaries in other key positions all over the world. Because sometimes people just need a chance to rise up to that status of leadership. And to be honest, we have a lot of leaders. Uh, sometimes it feels like you're herding cats. You know what I mean? We've got a lot of colonels and lieutenant colonels and majors and, and uh, senior master sergeants and master sergeants and all these people in their own right are leaders. And so uh, leading them can be a kind of intimidating task. It can be difficult at times because these people are shot callers where they are, you know, but I'm calling the shots at SMCC, okay? But they, they are great leaders and, you know, all great leaders first are great followers. That's true. And so uh, we've never had any problems with any of that, uh, but just kind of casting vision sometimes can be difficult. But once they see it, well, I can just take my hands off and they run with it. It's great. Another thing we're doing is we're not just raising up new leaders for the churches, we're also raising up new missionaries. Uh, this couple, Jordan and Shay Campbell, I believe they've been here before, um, have been serving with us now for two years. Now they came here, they had two, now they're three. That's their beautiful daughter, Delaney. And I know they're watching right now because I checked Facebook before I came up here to see who in my church was watching, and they were watching. Um, but Delaney's a beautiful baby girl. They had her just about a year ago, I think. And, uh, you know, they live, in, they live in the apartment underneath us. And so we're really close. We work together very closely, and it, they've been a joy. And he's been preaching for me for now the last eight weeks or so, and he is just doing a great, great job. Uh, Jordan and Shay have been nothing but a complete blessing to us, and they have been uh, great missionary associates. Shay has served with us even before this last term, uh, and she was great then, but when she came back with Jordan, it's just been a double blessing. She handles all the kids' ministry. He does a lot with our students a high school ministry, and then when I'm not there, he's preaching for me. And so he's with us, they are with us until September, which why, you might ask, why, Matt, did you come home during COVID? I didn't have much of a choice. Uh, we need to come home every four years, and if I was to come home later, I wouldn't have them. You know, I'd be leaving the church with no preacher and no, no pastoral leadership. Now, Scott, the 
single guy who helped us plant the church. He has entered into pastoral leadership too, um, but uh, he also works full-time for the Department of the Army. Can't remember. One of those. Uh, we're a joint forces thing, so I can't remember who exactly he works for, but he has a full-time job, so it'd be difficult for him. And so that's why we had to come home now. And uh, Jordan's just been doing a great, great job, and uh, we're so thankful for them. Now, they will be coming back, and hopefully coming back to Calvary to share what God's called them to, uh, but they are going to be leaving us and then stepping out on their own to plant a church in Grafenvier, Germany. Now, this is exactly where Jeff and Sylvia's daughter is right now. And what it is, is it's a build-up area. It's where people go to train before they go maybe to a more hostile, more sandy place, usually, and where they'll train and get ready to do that. And um, But there's about 50,000 Americans there at any given time, so there's a big need there. And so Jordan and Shay are going to come home, itinerate, and then become new military ministry pastors in Grafenvier, Germany. We're excited about that. We also are multiplying through missions giving. Church, I love the church. I love the freedom of worshiping. But I also know that the reason we exist is not simply so we can worship together. It's not simply so we can just come together, even though that's a huge part of it. We are to be a multiplying church. And one way that one of the most effective ways the church multiplies is through missions through missions. Projects are great, but supporting boots on the ground is better. And um, SMCC is a unique in the fact that they are recipients of generosity through our support. Stacy and I are missionaries because of the great fluctuation that we experience in military ministries. Some days, sometimes we're, we're a church of a, a hundred, sometimes we're a, a church of 160. Some days it's even under 100. Just depends on the ebb and flow of things. And so we need to be supported. Plus, it is extremely expensive, crazy expensive to live in Europe if you're not in the military. It's actually very expensive if you're in the military too, but our government just prints money and sends you. So that's great. I mean, it, but it's very expensive to keep a military person overseas as well. But our church also gives to missions. Last year, for the very first year, we broke six figures in giving to missions. Our church of just 100 and some people gave $100,000 to missions last year. Since its inception, the church has given nearly half a million dollars to missions. And uh, SMCC is Stacy and I's single biggest supporter with around uh, just over 2,500 a month in supporting us. So they do their part in, in, in supporting us and making sure we're there. They also support Jordan and Shea heavily. Um, and so, you know, we have to exist on this missions plane, uh, Stacy and I, because of just the, the extreme expense and how much turnover we have. But I want to tell you that your investment, I think that Convoy of Hope thing is amazing. $1 into $7, I don't know if we're that good, but I want to tell you that church, when you're investing in our ministry and you're praying for us, that you are getting a return on your investment and uh, that God is doing things and he is strengthening not just SMCC and these families, but he's strengthening the church Strengthening the church as a result because as, as people are trained and raised up and discipled at SMCC, they're going out and becoming vital parts of churches all over the world. As I was forced this week to reflect on all the fruit that God has borne through through our time as missionaries, I was actually overcome with gratitude. 
to be part of his grand design and what he is doing in the world. I mean, you know, you don't think about that very often. It's, I, maybe we don't do it enough to just kind of look back at what God has done and where, where he has brought us in this last decade of ministry. From hearing a call to raising an enormous amount of money to move to Europe where we knew no one, didn't know the language, to planting a church and growing that church, to getting our own location, to moving to two services, to see and know people all over this great country of ours who have served it and are still serving it and be able to visit with them and see them. It's just such a, a, a joy to be part of it. It kind of, I got a little emotional as I was forced to kind of look back to prepare for this message or this briefing, really. There's been lots of trying and difficult times along the way, but I want to tell you the abiding presence of Christ and the powerful working of the Holy Spirit has carried us through. And that call, that call when we were sitting on that front row and Ernie Peacock was preaching about who knows what, I don't know because the whole time I'm wrestling with God. I'm wrestling with God. He was calling me. And uh, I wanted to be sure it was God and not an emotional response to a moving sermon. But he called us, and he called us both so clearly and distinctly, and that call is what it keeps you on the field. That's why when you become an AGWM missionary, an Assemblies of God World missionary, that they ask you about your call every time. Every single meeting you have, they're asking you, tell us, tell us how you were called. I'm like, oh, brother, again? You know, about the 15th meeting, you're like, again? Isn't this on a paper somewhere? But they want to confirm the call because the call is what keeps you out there. There's been times where we wanted to quit and come back to the greatest country in the world, Texas. I knew that'd get a couple of amens anyway. But we know that we have to stay under his cloud, his cloud of provision and his cloud of protection. And right now, that's still in Stuttgart, Germany. That's still working with the wonderful men and women we get to serve. It's still trotting along, doing the work, training up new leaders. It's still there. Looking ahead, I'd like to share a few challenges we face, just a few. The first one, uh, and Pastor Doug has already mentioned this, is the challenge of finding a new speed the light car. Now, here's Stacy and I. We're actually in Texas, but we're looking at the car that we'd like to purchase in Germany. It's a Toyota RAV4 hybrid. The reason we need, the, the situation is pretty critical for us is because uh, we have a diesel car right now, another Toyota. You think $40,000, when you hear that number, you're like, whoa, <laughs> Audi. No, we're thinking expensive European living where taxes on anything you purchase is 20%. 20% sales tax on anything you buy, including cars. Now, Germany's been very generous, and in recent months, to give a little bit relief from COVID, they've rolled it back an entire 3%. So now it's only 16% sales tax on our car. That's why something's 40. This car here wasn't anywhere near 40,000. You know, this was much cheaper, but um, this is just what it costs. Now, our car's a diesel. Now, recently, Stuttgart uh, is a very industrial town. It's the home of Mercedes. It's the home of Porsche, home of Bosch. Siemens is also there, or Philips. And all these corporations, they, they added a lot of smog, and Stuttgart's kind of in a bowl, and so we have an air pollution problem. So they made all diesels, driving diesels in the city, illegal. 
So my car, I think Mercedes had something to do with it, to be honest with you. I mean, because everybody has to sell their diesels now and buy new cars, right? So we're in the position where we're driving our car, but we can't drive it in the city. We have to take the train, and we kind of live out in the boonies a little bit, so it's pretty difficult. And, and so we, we really do need a car. Our car runs fine, but I can't hardly even get anything for it to sell it because nobody in our area wants a diesel. So we do need a car, and a hybrid is going to make us a little bit more future-proof, right? I don't think they're going to make those illegal quite yet, all right? But uh, uh, let's hope not anyway. We're hoping for a new car for, for eight more years. Now, we're due for a new car in Speed the Light, the way they do the program anyway, every eight years. And so we are due, uh, but I want to tell you, I want to thank you, church. Number one, I was totally blown away when uh, Pastor Doug called me and told me that the church is going to has taken as your personal mission to buy us a car. I mean, um, we've already, we've received so much from this church that we don't deserve. You know, it's been almost 20 years uh, that we've been affiliated with this church, uh, either as your missionaries or serving in multiple ministerial roles here. But uh, you still take care of us, and we're not, we're so undeserving of that, but we're so grateful uh, because because the church did that, you have bumped us up on the list because, you know, Pastor Doug and this church is just known for their faithful giving. And so even a pledge of 40000 uh, basically is a green light for us to get a car because they just know you're going to be good for it. Isn't that a good reputation to have, church? Isn't that a good reputation to have? And so, um, you know, we, we, they know it's going to come in. And uh, so we're looking now for a car. We are definitely looking because uh, we're hoping for that post-virus sale, amen? Let's get the most out of it, right? We know you're going to pay your pledge even if we get it a hair early. We know you're going to pay the pledge. But Speed the Light has greenlit us to get a car. And so, uh, but basically because they just know you. They're trusting you. And I'm just, man, I'm so thankful to be affiliated with a church like that. And uh and so we're looking, we're, we're excited about driving in the city again. Even when our superintendent came in, we were forced to take them on the train, uh, which is fine. It's mainly good, but sometimes they break down and they don't run and, you know, things happen. So uh, we had a very interesting trip with them, but that's a whole nother story. It's not relevant to this one. Um, also, we'd ask for, so prayers for our car, that we'd get the best deal possible on the car. Also, um, that as we step into a live stream environment ourselves, now we pre during COVID we pre-recorded and then and then and then uh, showed it on Facebook and YouTube. But now we're going to move into a live stream environment, and that's what I've been working on since I've been back in the states is researching, looking at ch different churches and setting up and getting ready for that. Now I've learned a lot through Brent's mistakes, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, like, you know, as, as Pastor Doug had said, it's, it's challenging and there's little things that you don't see. And so we've been learning here and we'll be setting that up. And I just pray that we don't have any issues and that we get ready for any future COVID lockdowns. You know, every church is about one infection away from having to stop church again. You know, one person gets sick in your church and then, you know, the whole church has been exposed and, and maybe you don't all have it, but you can't come to church because somebody may have it. And so you're on a two more two week lockdown. We want to be future ready for that as well. Also, I'd ask that you pray for a longstanding vision I've had of a bicycle repair ministry for our church. What we want to do is 
there's a big need. MWR, or Morale, Welfare, and Recreation Department of the Army, doesn't service any bicycles on any of the three bases located in our area. And everybody rides bikes in Germany. But nobody is fixing the Americans' bikes. And how many of you know, if you have a bike that's broke down, you can't just pedal it to the nearest bike shop that could be 20 kilometers away, right? So we were, we're going to have a mobile ministry that's going to be hooked up to the RAV4, and it's going to be a trailer, and we're going to have tools on it, and we're going to have bike stands on it. We're going to go base to base and set up and, and minister, just serve people. And we really want to do this. Now, we couldn't do it this summer because I'm here. But next summer, we hope to launch this. I'm kind of the bike repair guru, so I'm going to train some more people, and we're going to get them uh, set up to fix bicycles and just serve our community. So we ask that you pray for that, that it be successful and that it really meet a, a real need. And lastly, I'd ask that you pray for our new missionary associate who's going to come and, and take the place in ministry anyway, not their place personally, but their place in ministry, uh, working with children, Rebecca Reed. I have a picture of her as well. Rebecca is a young woman who has been supporting Stacy and I since our very first service ever in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And uh, she was 17 at the time and has been giving faithfully to our ministry for the last decade and recently felt a call of God to come and serve alongside of us. And, of course, we welcome that. And so she's going to be coming. Back. Now, she's a new missionary, church. She's just getting started in the midst of the COVID pandemic. I want to tell you, it's, I can speak from experience. It's not easy to raise support right now. But would you pray for her that God just open up virtual doors, that God just give her whatever, what is it called, Zoom meetings and Facebook and Google chats and everything she needs to raise her support. We really love to have her as soon as possible in Germany uh, because we, as the church grows, the demand on ministry grows and we just can't do it for 160 or plus people anymore. We need help. And so we're looking forward to Rebecca joining us. And um, if you want more information about Rebecca, if you're interested in supporting her, you can talk to me after the service with a mask on and I will be happy uh, to talk to you about that. Our number one priority right now is staying healthy until we're back in Germany. So uh, uh, I hope you understand that. You know, we left, we left CT Church a decade ago to follow God's will. But this will always be our home. This will always be our home church. Even today, as I address SMCC, I will stand up and say, welcome to CT Church. Can you believe that? After 10 years, I still do that. Uh, but we're thankful for our time here. First, serving with uh, the late James and Dorothy Brothers. It saddened our heart to not be here for Pastor Brothers' home going. But uh, there's a great peace in knowing we're Pastor And then to be part of just the great, again, just church, I want to tell you how rare it is to have a transition from a, pa a founding pastor to a, a follow-on pastor. And not only did we have a great leader and Pastor Doug, but we had a 100% vote in for him. And that is, that's crazy rare that just somebody who's poured his heart and soul into the church. Usually we, call, we have a sacrificial lamb in churches. And that's the pastor who comes and follows the beloved pastor. And then the church abuses him and gets rid of him. And then they finally get another pastor. You never experience that. You've had great pastoral leadership since the founding of this church. And we're so grateful for both of their inputs into our lives. And again, we're just blown away by the church's fruit in helping us buy a car. 
and uh, it's just huge. It's just, I'll tell you, as a missionary, money is not everything for sure, but when you have a need and it's just met, it just reminds you that, because I don't know about you, I don't give money without praying. And so, like I know people are not only standing with us financially, but prayerfully, and I don't feel as alone out there sometimes, you know? I, don't, I mean, I have a church, but sometimes you just feel a little bit alone. But I'm reminded of how many of you support us, how many of you give so generously, how many of you pray for us, and I'm reminded we're not alone. Church, I want to leave you with this. Jesus said, go and bear fruit. And I've had the privilege of just being a talking head up here this morning and sharing all the fruit that God has borne through our ministry. But God has called each one of us to bear fruit. And I think it's, it'd be appropriate at this time to reflect just a little bit on where are we bearing fruit in our lives. What fruit are we bearing that will last, as Jesus said? You know, God puts resources in our hands. He puts money in our hands. He gives us the ability to work. And the one day to feed the world is a wonderful representation of how, how little it takes of us to give to make a world of difference in somebody's life halfway around the world. Did you know your one day of giving, your one day of salary will feed a kid for like a year? I mean, isn't that insane? It's crazy. It's crazy. But, you know, bear fruit. That is our purpose on this earth, church. Not just to occupy a seat, but to bear fruit. It may not look like going to Germany and starting a church for you, but it may mean going to the cubicle or, or going to the soccer game or, or going to the store and, and sharing Jesus. It may mean teaching a Sunday school class or leading a discipleship group or, or a growth group or life group. But we are to be investing in the kingdom of God. And I want to tell you that when you invest and you're just obedient, you just say yes like we did 10 years ago sitting on that front pew just said yes. There's no telling what God will do. There's no telling what God will do. It was one guy who led me to Jesus, who witnessed to me for three years as I cussed him out every single time he did, but the one, and then, and then finally came to Jesus. After three years of abuse, I came to Jesus. He never gave up. He never quit. He was determined to bear fruit. Sometimes it's not always that low-hanging fruit. How many of you know that? You've got to reach up, and you've got to climb, and you've got to work, and you've got to sow, and you've got to reap, and you've got to do the work to bear the fruit. He did the work. And I'll tell you, there's no way, almost 25 or way over 25 years ago, that he would have figured I'd be standing here today. There's no way he saw that, right? You just never know. But church, be committed to bearing fruit. And in this time of just uncertainty and turmoil. Remember, Jesus is still on the throne. He's still answering that prayer, that prayer of, Lord, I give you my heart. Come into me. I want to be with you. He's still answering that prayer of salvation. He's still responding to our prayers of repentance. He's still on the throne. Amen? Amen. Let's go bear fruit. You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.